Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. You can visit the website, lifeinnaples.net, to find out more. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, will be joining us. Boo Mortensen, we'll find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast. Bill Kirpin is the president of American Commitment. We'll be talking about the harmful impacts of price controls. And my wife, Linda, will be joining us as well. We'll be talking about current events and what's happening here on the Paradise Coast and around the world. Well, it is uh, December the 22nd, and on this day in 1864, Union General William T. Sherman presented the city of Savannah, Georgia, to President Abraham Lincoln. He captured the city after his famous march to the sea from Atlanta. Savannah had been one of the last major ports that remained open to the Confederates. After Sherman captured Atlanta in September of 1864, he did not plan to stay long. There were still other Confederate Army, uh, the Confederate Army of General John Bell Hood in the area, and cavalry leaders like Nathan Bedford Forrest and John Wheeler, who could threaten Sherman's supply lines. In November, Sherman dispatched part of his force back to Nashville, Tennessee, to deal with Hood while Sherman cut free from his supply lines and headed south and east across Georgia. Along the way, his troops destroyed nearly everything in their path. Sherman's intent was to wreck the morale of the South and bring the war to a swift end. For nearly six weeks, nothing was heard from Sherman's army. Finally, just before Christmas, word arrived that Sherman's army was outside Savannah. A Union officer reached the coast and found a Union warship that carried him to Washington, D.C. to personally deliver news of the success. Sherman wired Lincoln with the message, I beg to present you a Christmas gift, the city of Savannah with 150 guns and plenty of ammunition and also about 25,000 bales of cotton. The Christmas gift uh, to President Abraham Lincoln on this day in 1864. By the way, uh, yesterday, of course, was the uh, winter solstice, and it was also the alignment of Jupiter and Saturn, and that alignment created the image of a big star. Makes me wonder, the last time this happened, by the way, was 800 years ago, Uh, so it caused some to opine whether this perhaps was the star of Jerusalem uh, that led the three wise men to the baby Jesus. Just, uh, Just an interesting thought. Well, uh, the Florida Department of Health reported 146 new cases of COVID-19 and no additional deaths in Cuyahoga County on Monday. The seven-day average for moving new cases is 134 through Sunday. The high, of course, was 221 back in July, and the low was about 34 a few months ago. And there were 78 COVID patients in Cuyahoga County hospitals. That was down from about 98 about a week ago. So as you can see, there's more cases but not necessarily more dreaded illness causing hospitalization or deaths. The House and Senate passed a $900 billion coronavirus relief bill and a $1.4 trillion government funding measure uh, last night after months of gridlock on Capitol Hill. The bill's passage comes before many in the existing coronavirus relief measures were set to expire on January the 1st. It also staves off a government shutdown. Now, while the plan is roughly half the size of the $2.2 trillion CARES Act Congress passed in March, 
It's still one of the most expensive rescue packages in modern history. It includes a six hundred uh, billion dollar stimulus. Uh, I'm sorry, six hundred dollar uh, stimulus checks per child and adult, three hundred dollars per week in enhanced em- unemployment insurance for eleven weeks, three hundred and nineteen billion dollars for small businesses, including two hundred eighty four billion dollars for loans given through Paycheck Protection Program. $20 billion in grants, and $15 billion for live venues and independent movie theaters and cultural institutions, $25 billion in rental assistance and the extension of the uh, eviction moratorium, $13 billion in increased SNAP and child nutritional benefits, $82 billion in education with $10 billion dedicated to child care, uh, $7 billion to increase access to broadband. What's that about? Billions for vaccine distribution and language-ending surprise billing for emergency and scheduled care. Tax credits for employers offering sick pay leave and extends the employee retention tax credit. And uh, uh, $4 billion for the International Vaccine Alliance. This bill was 5,500 pages long. And it was the government funding package to access uh, was just not uploaded for review, and it includes hundreds of add-on provisions, including a statement of policy regarding succession or reincarnation of the Dalai Lama. I'm not kidding. It really does say that. It really includes that. So nobody had a chance to read the bill, but they went ahead and voted on it. Get this, it includes $135 million aid to Burma, $85.5 million to Cambodia, $1.4 million for Asia Reassurance Initiative Act, $130 $130 million to Nepal. Now, that may be the money for the Dalai Lama. I'm not sure. $700 million to Sudan. $250 million in Palestinian aid. $25 million for gender programs in Pakistan. I'm not kidding. It really does. Coronavirus package spends hundreds of millions of tax dollars securing the borders of Middle Eastern countries. And people are complaining about securing our own borders. COVID relief stimulus earmarks. $20 billion in bailouts for colleges and universities, $82 billion for education. I personally don't. I'm not fond or in favor of funding higher education until they stop promoting uh, the, the uh, propaganda that's uh, for socialism and these other uh, programs like uh, safe spaces and so forth. Anyhow, Democrat leaders who backed down significantly from their previous push for another $2 trillion bill say they view the deal as a down payment, something to tide Americans over until Joe Biden takes office and they can pass additional stimulus. Some lawmakers, including progressives, are skeptical Biden will be able to do this as easily as Democrats are projecting, especially given many Republicans have resumed their posture as deficit hawks now that Trump is on his way out, or so they seem to think so. I'm still hanging on. I still think Trump is going to pull this out. Vaccines, of course, are being distributed across the country. The House uh, passed the measure 359 to 53, while the Senate voted 92 to 6. The six Republican senators who voted against the bill, Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, Rand Paul of Kentucky, Rick Scott of Florida, doesn't surprise me, he is a real deficit hawk, and Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, Mike Lee of Utah, and Ted Cruz of Texas. So the bill passed. Fortunately for those that are going to get checks who are running out of money, who lost their jobs and so forth. That's a good thing. But just think of all the waste and fat in this thing. It's just unbelievable. But that's how you get things done. 
it's give and take when it comes to compromise. Who the heck is holding out for gender programs in Pakistan? Oh, well. Well, ultimately, the better resume won out. In the end, Notre Dame's ugly last game, a 34-10 route in the hands of Clemson on Saturday's ACC championship game, didn't cost the Irish a spot in the college playoffs. Overall results prevailed over recency of recency bias. That was a pretty ugly uh, loss that they had to Clemson. But irrespective, so number one is going to be Alabama. They'll be playing Alabama, by the way. That would be uh, the Irish, uh, Notre Dame. <clears throat> it's going to be at the uh, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas on New Year's Day. I guess they won't be calling it the Orange Bowl anymore. And the other semifinal matchup, Clemson, ranked second, will face number three, Ohio State, in New Orleans, New Orleans at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in a rematch of last year's Fiesta Bowl. That was won by the Tigers. In the end, the committee felt Notre Dame had earned its way based on the complete analysis of its resume. They played a lot tougher teams. Texas A&M was the other team that was in the running, but they only played two uh, competitors with a win-loss ratio of better, better than 500%. So there it's settled, and uh, so we're going to have Notre Dame playing, uh, playing uh, who? They're going to be playing the uh, Irish, will be playing Alabama on January the 1st. Interesting. And so uh, Trump's campaign filed a petition for writ of territory to the Supreme Court aimed at reversing the trio of Pennsylvania Supreme Court cases that illegally changed Pennsylvania's mail balloting law immediately before and after the 2020 presidential election. So the president's not given up on this. Uh, the filing alleges the action was in violation of Article 2 of the United States Constitution at Bush v. Gore it represents the campaign's first independent U.S. Supreme Court filing and seeks relief based on the same constitutional arguments successfully raised in Bush v. Gore, that according to the campaign's press release. So the president is uh, hosting rallies. They're going to be in Washington, D.C. He's ho also hosting a rally on, I think it's January the 4th or 5th, in uh, Georgia to help support the candidates uh, for Senate. By the way, those races are awfully close right now within the margin of error in the polling. Of course, pollings in recent years have not been that accurate, but irrespective, this is such an important race. So the president's going down there in order to support them. There's also going to be a, a rally in Harrisburg, of course, to uh, support uh, the Supreme Court uh, ruling on the, uh, on the case in Pennsylvania. So a lot going on with regard to the election. We'll see how this all plays out. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harton, the host of the Bob Harton Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, a little shout out to St. Matthew's House. They do a terrific job. No government funding whatsoever and certainly helping the needy in our area. And it's that time of year to open the pocketbook and do something special for others. And uh, St. Matthew's Place is a great place uh, to start. Coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kerpet. He's the president of American Commitment. Right now we have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And to you and yours. And by the way, I, I heard your shout-out for St. Matthew's House. And, you know, that is so um, critical. And the fact that they don't require or request state funding is, is uh, huge because you know, we're facing budget deficits and, you know, we're, just the operations of governments are going to be problematic. So a lot of those nonprofits that have been relying on government subsidies are going to have some problems. And so, you know, by St. Matthew's House doing their own fundraising, it really is going to help and uh, keep their operations going. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they do such a great job. They have a program that not only supports the people who are in need, but also they have accountability in their programs for those that are facing addiction and trying to deal with their addictions, those that are homeless. Uh, you know, they, they, they support people on one, but they yeah, provide some tough love on the other hand by helping people get it back on their own feet. And they do that through the businesses they run, which is really cool. Yeah, and it's not, uh, you know, you, you always hear the term, a hand up, not hand out. And I think they uh, exemplify that philosophy. I do, too. And I, I did an interview with uh, Megan Rose the other day. She's with the organization called Better Together. And they take mm -hmm. in kids, faith-based organizations, they take in kids who would otherwise be going in foster care. 
And they not only take care of the kids while the parents are dealing with whatever their crisis, their family crisis might be, whether it's finding a job or a home or whatever it might be. And uh, then the family ends up mentoring the, the, uh, the, the family uh, over time in order to help them get back on their feet as well. Tremendous savings. I think a kid going oh, yeah. into foster care is like $25,000. But this Better Together program is about $1,500 a child. So, you know, it's just so inspiring to see people providing help and support, not through government programs, but through uh, real generosity of the spirit, their time, their money, their talent, and their treasure. Yeah, I mean, that Better Together is a terrific program. You know, I've, I've learned about it over the years, and I, you know, hit the nail on the head. A government, and government programs, you know, once you get in a government program, yeah. you're there. and yeah to get out of it. So these these families that have sort of um, just temporary uh, issues, whatever it is, unemployment or, you know, some kind of mental, medical issue or whatever, it, it's temporary. And if you put them in foster system, then they're in the system forever. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to get out. So I think you know, the programs where the community, community-based and you, and you have, you know, church members that know these families i think it's terrific yeah better together us is dot org is the uh, website and uh, by the way i would just also suggest that our community is so generous so many uh, private programs operating to support kids whether it's the immokalee foundation and you can go down the the mail that i get from organizations that are looking for uh (laughs) for a hand up for for, uh, a contribution this time of year is just amazing but I think it just underscores how very generous people are in this community. Yeah, and there's some philosophy, and I attend, and I uh, espouse that as well. In that, when you have um, uh, programs that are sort of community based, based faith based, uh, people based, it is so much so much more productive to have it be done from the community as opposed to coming to government, because when government is never efficient. Um, government doesn't have the ability to um, actually uh, check their accountability for the you know, quality assurance from these programs. If it's done locally, people get involved and they support them and they know that they're successful. And I, I, uh, I just think that's the way it should be. Absolutely. Well, I was just doing the story on the $900 billion uh, stimulus program, if you want to call it that, yeah. but the list of special fray, special handouts gender <laughs> programs in Pakistan. Are you kidding me? Billions of, <laughs> millions of dollars. It's just really appalling to see the legislation that goes through. But nevertheless, there's people that are going to be helped as a result of this. And of course, this coronavirus uh, program or pandemic or plandemic uh, was not anybody's fault, uh, So, uh, especially here in America. So I guess we need to do something for these people. But with all the fat and pork that's being built into it, it's just amazing. It's amazing. Everybody has an agenda, and everybody is playing to a constituency, um, you know, and, and I, I'm not going to question their uh, commitment and, and their, you know, and how much they want to help their constituency, but it, it really, it does look terrible when you see it, some of these uh, special interest projects. We're, we're trying to avoid those in Florida now and get what's in the best interest of the state as a whole, but, you know, Congress is different. It is different, and uh, it, now you've got a new role in the Senate. Uh, you're looking at each bill. You're in charge of the process, or, or the right. Rules Committee, yeah. I guess it is, uh, for yes. for taking a look at each bill. So 
Can you tip your hand? What are you seeing that's coming across your desk that looks interesting? Well, uh, right now, what's funny, too, a lot of the, 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 I don't know, for lack of a better term, the, a lot of the junky bills are, are being filed. Uh, some of the beady bills, the heavyweight bills are uh, being worked on by, you know, sort of groups of legislators. And, you know, um, some of the bills that we have to do, really should be doing, like the uh, immunity bill mm-hmm. um, for uh, healthcare workers and businesses that, uh, you know, the COVID liability issue. My understanding is somebody from Southwest Florida told me there isn't one nursing home or assisted facility, only one, I think, in Southwest Florida that it does not have a lawsuit against them filed for mm. a COVID-related issue. This is the next uh, trial lawyer. Um, Bonanza. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so we have to do something. You know, obviously, if a facility or a business is negligent um, and, and refuses to follow C- CDC guidelines and they get sued, that's different. But yeah. we don't, this pandemic is something that we've never experienced before, so we don't even know what best practices are. So, but the, there's there are lawsuits are just all over the place. And the problem is, you know, they may not prevail, but that's not the point. It's the filing of suit because as soon as the suit's filed the business or the healthcare facility gets a black mark and a yeah. newspaper article about it and that will affect their business in the future yeah so we we have to kind of uh, work our way around that and so th- that's a big initiative uh there's uh, some discussion about uh about reforming the uh hip uh uh, personal injury protection liability program that we have in the state. That's where everybody has to have ten thousand dollars of insurance coverage, and then your own insurance coverage. That's been uh, abused over the over the years. And we talk about that. Uh-huh. Talk about pension reform for state workers. There's a, you know, there's a lot of things we're talking about right now. So, what about what about marijuana legalization? Does that come across your desk at all? Um, my my my. Um, Understanding is that the Senate president is not interested in legalizing marijuana. So the issue is whether that's going to be a citizen initiative or not. Meaning it would I, be you know, it, meaning either a petition yeah, would, or, a, or an amendment to the Constitution? Yeah. That, I think that's, at least with this administration, I mean, ultimately, I think it's going to happen. I think there's there are certain things that, you know, I'm, I think we have to to do for um, financial um, purposes for the state. Yeah. For like, we have to. We need to go back to the Indians and talk about the compact. And I think you and I have talked about this over time. We leave like between three hundred million and six hundred million on the table every year. The compact with the Indians, the gaming compact, has expired. So that's one thing we need to pursue. The internet sales tax issue, uh, most people, even though they're supposed to pay it, mm. don't yep. in Florida on internet purchases and sales. And uh, it's a tax that's due, but nobody checks because it's hard to do that. So making uh, putting that in law, uh, requiring it would, would also bring in a lot of revenue. So those are the kind of things that we're looking at. We have to generate revenue. Yeah. Now, I know some people say that marijuana legalization will bring revenue. Um, others are just dead set against it, so I don't know if that's a fight we want to do this year. Yeah, yeah, it is. It just uh, does surprise me that the Senate uh, president of the Senate has as much power as, for example, he just expressed the concern of not wanting to pass it. Okay, that's off the table. <laughs> that's kind of a surprise well, to me. Uh, that's why him, the president, is 
I mean, it's it's a, a a great opportunity, but it's a big burden, and you know, it's philosophy. Yeah. Um, well, you got to respect that. And uh, Kathleen, you're yeah. going to be our next president of the Senate in the uh, yes. next uh, session. So, <laughs> I really appreciate you yeah. coming on the show and helping our <laughs> and helping us to understand what's happening in Tallahassee and in the state of Florida. And also, just wish you and your family a very merry Christmas. Thanks so much for joining us. Merry Christmas to you too. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. We'll do that and more, more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home, a 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit GulfShorePlayhouse.org. That's GulfShorePlayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin. He is the president of American Commitment. Right now we have Boo Mortensen with us. So we're going to find out what's new with Boo. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. I'm in the middle of, uh, not in the middle, but I'm on Alligator Alley, and I'm heading to Fort Lauderdale to see their annual boat parade of lights tonight. Oh, won't that be cool? That would be... Yeah, I'm really excited. It should be something fun and something festive. 
something outdoors and uh, so you can socially distance <laughs> and all that stuff. Oh yeah. So is this and your we'll first? Is this your first time? Uh, this, uh, well, I go over there quite a bit because my family is there, but this is the first time I've seen the uh, the boat parade. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be exciting. What are you doing for Christmas? Well, you know, we're going to have a virtual Christmas. Family's all, of course, uh, nestled firmly up there in New England, so we'll, we'll be speaking to them on the phone and f- FaceTime and all that. Uh, but we're going out to dinner for a Christmas dinner. Uh, we'll enjoy uh-huh. that. No, you know what? That's not true. We're going out Christmas Eve. On Christmas, Linda's going to cook. This, <laughs> this is something very... Well, uh, how about that? I'm going to get myself in trouble right now. <laughs> but we're going to have a very special meal on Christmas that she's going to prepare. Well, that's great. Now, do you help in the kitchen? No, absolutely not. That's not something she likes. She prefers to take, take care of all that. She's very proud of the outcome when it, come, when it happens, so uh, it, it'll be a lot of fun. How about you? What are you planning for Christmas? Well, you know, we've got the same sort of thing that you do with the virtual. You know, I have 13 people for Thanksgiving, and, you know, I know that's probably not politically correct. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, everybody was tested. Uh, you know, it's a small group of our family. Uh, and then, no, so this year we're having dinner with another couple. And uh, and then on Christmas Day, I'm going back to Fort Lauderdale, or we're going back and seeing the kids. Nice. And then, uh, and then we're having more family come in for New Year's, and uh, you know everything is low key. People are either staying in or eating early. You know, it's a different day and age. It is. Uh, yeah, it is. Speaking of that different day and age, you know, I'm so fascinated, and I missed it. We, I don't know if you saw it, but where the orbits of Jupiter and Saturn cross. Some, you know, and they're 400 million miles apart, which is a staggeringly large amount. But the fact that the orbits cross, they look like they're a double planet. Yeah. It, well, it, what I find so fascinating is the last time this happened was on March 4th, 1226. Now, don't you wonder how they knew exactly what date? That is incredible. I, mean, that, I think that's close to the time of the Magna Carta. So that's that just gives a real perspective on time. I opined in the beginning of the show that this event, I missed it. I Quite frankly, I was just preoccupied with something else. But So I missed that. But uh, uh, this it, it really created this look of a huge star. And it made me wonder if perhaps we, we refer to the Star of Bethlehem, if perhaps this might, it might have happened back on the day that Jesus was born. Sure. Could have. There could have been some celestial sign from above. Exactly. Exactly. It could be. You know, you you're in the media. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a big newspaper reader. I'm old fashioned. I like to hold the newspaper. I subscribe to a number of newspapers. Well, do you know with this coronavirus that ad revenues now granted newspapers have been in a downward spiral as it is. But now ad revenues are down. Forty-two percent. Wow, I did not know that. that. That's so interesting. Well, by the way, before this slips my mind, I want to ask you: How's the traffic on Alligator Alley? Uh, light. Is it light? Yeah, I, I thought it might be. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's. But you know, this is early. Um, but 
right now it's it's very light. You know, and I go across enough times to know when it's not so good. Right yeah. now it's good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the ad revenue is down. And what's interesting is, for for example, NBA basketball, for f- professional football, uh, the uh, viewership is down substantially. I'm sure revenue is down. Uh, they're probably, and, you know, look at Fox News right now. They're actually advertising on other media outlets in order to try and get viewers back, I'm quite certain, because of the way they kind of stepped in it before the election. Yeah. Yeah. So well, if they're if people are not watching sports and they're not watching football and they're not watching basketball, what are they doing? That's a great question. Well, uh, so what are you doing? Well, you know, but I don't watch that many sports to begin with, so yeah. it's not a big change for me. I'm a big reader. I watch movies. I'm more of an outside person. I like to, you know, I've got a lot of hobbies that keep me sort of occupied. Uh, I think a lot of men, let me just say men, young young men, old men, are on video games. You I, know, the, the video game industry skyrocketed. Well, you know, and uh, you're just reminding me, too, that I know a lot of the time that you invest, you put in uh, the Immokalee Foundation in uh, mentoring these young girls. And uh, yes. I, and I just really because it's this time of year we're really acknowledging for people who are giving freely their time, talent, and treasure. You're certainly doing that through the Immokalee Foundation. If I'm not mistaken, you've actually got young ladies in your life that you started with the seventh grade. They're now in college, even getting out of college. They're graduating. Some are uh, out of school now, and we talked to Zochi, one of our girls, and uh, she's working on her MCAT. MCAT get into medical school. Isn't that fantastic? You know, it's, it's wonderful. They're all really doing well, obviously some better than others. Yeah. But the bad thing is, we don't feel comfortable going out to Immokalee and getting exposed. You know, it's a lot of, Immokalee is a hot spot, and we just don't feel comfortable. So I don't think we're going to be able to see any of these girls until, until we get the vaccine. Interesting. Well, it's, uh, unfortunately, so, it's a real benefit to them that you're in their lives, though, because what, I, what I've come to understand is that you actually help them uh, have a higher horizon, help them see more potential in their lives than they realize uh, when you first meet them. Yeah, you know how young kids are. Uh, their universe is quite small, and their parents' universe was small. And so it was fun to expose them to all the different facets of going into law, going into medicine, uh, picking up a trade. You know, the world is is full of opportunities, and uh, we wanted to let them know and encourage them to take advantage of everything that comes their way. You know, this is America. Yeah, it is indeed. If you dream it, you can do it. Absolutely. Boo Mortensen again. I'm so grateful that you took time on your ride over to uh, Fort Lauderdale to join us here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us, and Merry Christmas to you and yours. And Merry Christmas to you. Thank you so much, Boo. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin. Phil is the president of American Commitment. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tammy Amy Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Phil Kirpin. He is the president of American Commitment. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, great to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Phil. Tell us about American Commitment. We are a national free market advocacy group. We work really on all of the fiscal, economic, and regulatory issues, and uh, we don't do original research. The whole idea is to take the facts and the information on the policy fights that are on the margin in Washington that could go either way and uh, get people engaged, get citizens engaged in a way that can make a difference in a more free market direction, try to win some of these fights, and uh, all our stuff's on our website, AmericanCommitment.org. AmericanCommitment.org, terrific organization. Also work with us, Stephen Moore, and doing some great work as well. So, uh, Phil, you've got a program called, let's see, what is it called? Commitment to Seniors, and uh, it's about the harmful impacts of price controls. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, this is a project we launched uh, a few months ago, well, maybe longer now. My time perceptions have been pretty messed up this year. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes this year we launched this project. And uh, the, the idea behind it is you know, we have this observation that we keep losing these healthcare debates because uh, AARP weighs in as sort of the 800-pound gorilla and politicians snap to it and do what they want. Uh, but more often than not, they're representing the interests of United Health. Uh, their biggest corporate partner that they get more money from than they bring in membership dues and uh, United Health's pharmacy benefit manager subsidiary OptumRx and uh, we are trying to represent 
uh, the interests of seniors in these healthcare debates uh, rather than the interests of those corporate partners that ARP represents. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're, we're trying to kind of do two things with this project. One is to discredit AARP so they can't uh, kind of weigh in and, and skew these healthcare debates by kind of misrepresenting seniors while they represent the corporate interests, uh, you know, and I have no interest with corporate, I have no problem with corporate lobbying and so forth, and United Health certainly has the right to engage in policy debates and lobbying and so forth, but I don't like the idea that they pretend to be a seniors group when they do it, so we're trying to do two things. One is to expose uh, the interests that ARP actually represents, and the second is to represent the real interests of seniors in these debates, uh, particularly, uh, as you mentioned, as it relates to prescription drug pricing, because almost every group out there, uh, every seniors group out there, says they want price control. They want government to set the prices of drugs and and lower them uh, from market-oriented prices uh, to some arbitrary government-set price. And, of course, you know, we know that any government price control is going to cause uh, shortages. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in drugs, it's particularly pernicious because the shortage typically is not of the drug uh, that already exists that's having its price controlled because the marginal cost of production is usually low enough that they'll continue to produce a drug after a price control. Uh, The shortage that you get is of new drugs, of research and development, of the uh, creation of new cures and treatments, which can cost billions of dollars to develop and bring to market because there's no return on capital uh, when you have government price controls. And so Uh, you wouldn't necessarily have the backlash that you would have with a price control, say, on gasoline, where you have long lines and then, you know, they they sell out of gas for the day. People will go nuts and the price control will be lifted. But if a price control prevents new cures from being developed, no one will really know what they are missing out on, and so you won't necessarily have that backlash. You'll just have... you know, uh, not as many new drugs being developed each year, which means not as many cures, which means uh, not as much hope for all of the diseases that we're trying to cure right now and uh, give people longer, healthier, happier lives. And so we are uh, trying to stop the price control proposals, which are coming from all directions, including President Trump, Nancy Pelosi, and so forth. And, And I think this issue is particularly dangerous right now, Bob, because President Trump, one of his last acts here uh, is he did this executive order that links U.S. prices in Medicare Part B, uh, which is physician-administered drugs, uh, to government-set prices in foreign countries, and that's really going to be the first instance of a direct price control uh, yeah. in the U.S. system. And uh, you know, it's a relatively small class of drugs, and you could say you know that uh, it's only inside you know the most government-run of government-run programs, and it's not necessarily a uh, precedent that's going to lead to broader price controls. But I think. Um, it's an especially dangerous step because now you're going to have a Democrat administration come in and say, hey, hey, a Republican administration linked to foreign prices, this is a bipartisan idea, let's do it for all the rest of our you know, uh, of our drugs. And what could happen is you could effectively, by the back door, adopt government-set prices from other countries as the you know government-imposed price in the United States, and then you have all the negative consequences of price control. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, this is another example of a, a government programs creating problems and so solving them with other more government programs, quite frankly. And you make such an important point because while people may appreciate the reduction in costs initially, to your point, it's uh, your, uh, the research, we are in the threshold of unbelievable new uh, uh, solutions to medical problems and healthcare problems, 
uh, through the, the increase in science right now, and it's going to just dry up all that innovation. In fact, if the companies don't have the money in order to do the fund the research, so that's so critical. We, we can, in my view, the way to solve if you want to reduce prices, just get government out of <laughs> out of healthcare and uh, have a more patient centric type of healthcare program, uh, health savings accounts, have competition, have transparency and costs. All these things could drive down costs. Yeah, I would agree with every single thing you just said, and you know, particularly for the development of prescription drugs, there's no natural reason that it ought to cost you know over two billion dollars to develop a new drug and bring it to market. Now, part of that is all the trial and error, and uh, sure, you know, the uh, the cost of new uh, techniques and everything like that. You know, it's not going to be cheap necessarily, but a lot of it mm-hmm. is the regulatory process and uh, the FDA and all of the red tape and bureaucracy. And unfortunately, we've got this situation where the biggest drug companies like all that bureaucracy because they sort of specialize in navigating it. You've got this market that's developed in such a way that a lot of the innovative companies, when they they develop a a great new uh, drug, they end up getting acquired by one of the companies that knows how to navigate that FDA process because... Uh, smaller, more innovative companies don't necessarily have the wherewithal to go through all of that. And if we learn anything from this pandemic year, it ought to be that, you know, pretty much the only useful thing that the FDA and the CDC can do is stay out of the way, because the only helpful things they've done throughout this entire pandemic were when they waived their own rules or streamlined their own requirements or, you know, used emergency use authorizations instead of waiting for full approvals. And, you know, I, I really think that if we want to lower the price of drugs, we've got to make it a lot less expensive to get them approved and, yeah. and a lot less time-consuming a process so there's more patent life left when you get to market and then the uh, cost of R&D can be spread over a longer window. And so, you know, the, the idea that a government can solve the problem by just saying, hey, we're going to have government set a low price, you're exactly right. This is government imposing the wrong solution to a problem that government itself largely created and the right solution would be to, you know, lower those burdens. Yeah, so the cost I, itself is much lower. No, uh, that is such an important point, Phil. And I, uh, you know, I just think about the FDA right now. If we can thank the FDA for taking a long time to approve really critical health-saving uh, solutions to healthcare problems, yet they bring us uh, preservatives in our foods. <laughs> Sometimes you have to question the the uh, efficacy of the FDA and uh, what they're doing. So, you just make important points. Again, American. Org is the website, AmericanCommitment.org. Phil, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show, and uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, same to you, Bob. Have a good one. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. That's right. It's my wife. I really look forward to this conversation because she's really well-informed and knows what's going on. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC 
goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to do a little shout-out to Lula B's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. They're going through some renovation there in the shopping center itself. Lula B's Diner serves great breakfast or lunch. And I just encourage you to patronize them. They're great advertisers of ours. And uh, they do a lot for the community, including they just Justin's Place or Justin's uh, Restaurant just opened in uh, the uh, uh, St. Matthew's house, and they do a great job. So, again, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We have with us our my wife, Linda Harden. Linda, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Good morning. Hey, I wanted to make you part of the show because you really are quite well-informed of everything that's going on. And uh, what are your thoughts about this stimulus package that just passed? Well, you know, everything I've read about it and, and been on social media this morning, um, everybody is so angry. I mean, I guess it's it's really good that that people are being exposed to what these lawmakers are are um, shoving down everyone's throat. But it's just appalling about all the money we're sending to other countries yeah. or for experiments and on donkeys and all this other garbage. <laughs> yeah. And and they just think, oh well, you know, the American people who are really hurting. In so many ways right now, they're just tossing crumbs, yeah. and they expect people to be grateful. Yeah, and it's just so astonishing. You, I know you said you covered it earlier, but um, the amount of just the few amount of uh, senators who voted no on it. Yeah, well, Rick Scott is one of the people that voted no, and uh, I've known. Fortunately, we we had a friendship before he even became governor, and I've had him on the show a couple of times as both governor and as a United States senator. And he basically says, you know, Bob, we're just not going to be able to pay this debt back. We just have to stop spending money like a drunken sailor. And he's absolutely right about this, because sooner or later, we're going to have to pay the piper. Uh, the, uh, Thomas Jefferson said that the biggest uh, harm that we have to ourselves is creating uh, debt that we can't sustain. Well, and, and to send, I don't know how many million or billion or whatever to uh, Nepal and, and all these countries. Where's the justification for that? I just, I don't get it. I mean, somebody need needs to do a deep dive. Yeah. Well, this is, this is no doubt a, a trade-off from special interests. This is how legislation gets un, done. Unfortunately, it's kind of like making sausage. You don't want to see it. And uh, so it's trade-offs. People have special interests. And there's lobbyists and people pork and all kinds of stuff involved in this process. But it's just a shame because it's a lot of money. You know, a million dollars, that's a lot of money. And to spend... Uh, fifty million dollars. I don't know if that's the right number, but to Pakistan for gender identification programs or whatever that might be, just unbelievable. You know, it, and it just it just pulls back the curtain even more on who the members of the deep swamp are or deep sea, yeah. And and um, Washington, Lindsey Graham, who is who's never found a camera he didn't like, yeah. is just saying, oh well, you know, here we came we came through for the American people. 
I'm surprised somebody doesn't come up on the street and just punch him in the nose. <laughs> well, he's, he's all he's doing is being on on every news program he can, saying, "Oh, I'm getting to the bottom of this. I'm doing this. I'm yeah, doing that." And guess what? He's, he's never doing had, squat. He has never held a committee meeting. No. It's just unbelievable. Well, he postures and preens, but they all do up there. Fortunately, there's some good ones up there, like Rick Scott. I think he just does a terrific job. Uh, Ted Cruz doing a good job. Uh, several others, quite frankly. But uh, the votes, those that voted against this bill, uh, I think there are six senators that voted against it. I understand why they voted against it, but we do need that $600 or whatever. What we need is we need some money going back in the pockets of the American people right now to keep this economy going until they can get back on its feet. Well, I mean, you don't have enough time on this show to, to, for me to go into what, how I feel about this whole coronavirus uh, pandemic and all this stuff that's been orchestrated in order to absolutely pull the rug out from under the middle class and, and um, uh, restaurants and, and all the people who, who make life so, so enjoyable for us. And they're yeah. just hurting, and those people just don't care. Right. Big businesses, those that are listed on the, the reason the stock market goes up, those companies have the wherewithal to be able to sustain themselves through this type of government interference. The little guy just doesn't have a prayer. We're seeing, uh, what is it, a third of restaurants that are closing right now? It's just yeah, I think un- it's even more than that. I mean, there was, I just watched Fox and Friends, sadly, because I just liked it. You know, I used to watch them all the time, but since Fox is, has gone to the dark side, um, <laughs> I don't watch them anymore. But I, I, Pete Hegseth is on Fox and Friends this week um, in place of uh, the mask uh, mandate person, Steve Ducey. So I like to watch him because I know he's on our side. But just to see, just to see how how they um, are promoting all this stuff, and, and um, back up just a second because I wanted to talk about the senators who, who um, voted against the bill. Here's what's really interesting. Yesterday, mm-hmm. Senator Mike Lee from Utah mm-hmm. said, "Oh well, we've got to do this. We've got to do this about about the bill." And you know, he was doing a deep dive on 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 it. You know what? Social media made him change his mind. He was going to vote. And he ended up voting no. Mm. So the people, the people are getting to these these uh, representatives and senators and whatever to really take a stand. I don't think he could stand the heat because he was getting absolutely excoriated on social media for his his original stance on the bill. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you. I'm still hopeful that a president uh, was going to re- have a second term on January the 20th. He'll be inaugurated for a second term. That's my hope. I realize that uh, things are looking a little bleak right now, especially because we're not seeing a lot happen. I suspect it's because of the Christmas holiday, the, the, the season that we're in right now. You know, I, I hope spring's eternal. I just keep in mind that Kamala Harris is still not resigned her Senate seat. Right, right. And what, back up to Fox and Friends, what I was going to tell you about, too, is um, Joe Biden actually uh, praised Trump for that the getting out the warp speed uh, vaccine so quickly. And I, I, my mouth dropped open because he, he's been bad-mouthing the president about everything. Well, you know, he'll take, in a week or so, he'll be taking credit for it. So, he's, he, I, you know, it's it reminds me of the, uh, in Russia, they used to get these uh, oligarchs and prop them up, and they were kind of do-nothing kind of guys. But it, all the all the action was happening in the vaccine. If he if he actually gets in office, he'll be like one of those oligarchs propped up in Russia while everybody in the all the powers in the back room uh, pulling the levers and getting things done. You know who's propping him up is his wife. I mean, she's she's like two feet away from him every time 
He's yeah. in public. It's kind of spooky to watch. Yeah, well, of course, uh, it's nice to have a doctor in the house. Oh. <laughs> God bless Tucker Carlson for, for revealing all, all that was behind that doctorate. It's so true. Now, I'd like to remind our listeners, uh, so uh, while Fox News has made their changes, we kind of made our changes, too. We're watching uh, One America News. We're watching uh, uh, Newsmax TV. Um, yeah, and and now I'm reading too that Newsmax is is got a big question mark because Christopher Ruddy, the the um, originator of Newsmax, was a huge, huge Clinton donor. Mm. And now remember, we saw on Newsmax last night uh, that that they were reading that disclaimer about Smartmatic and Dominion voting systems, like mm-hmm. like oh we we don't know think anything was wrong and everything was above board. And you said mentioned something that. That you think that they might have gotten a letter like Sidney Powell? Got. Yeah, I mean, so Sidney Powell got a letter from uh, Dominion saying we're going to sue you for Smartmatic. defamation of Smartmatic for defamation. And Linwood wrote him back and say, "I'm not impressed. File your suit." It was a very short letter. Yeah, but isn't it interesting how a, how a news outlet would would just fold like that? Well, I, we don't know why or what happened, but it may have something to do with the ownership. It is so refreshing to have news outlets that are really focused on, uh, for example, uh, Just the News, great news outlet, doing a great job. Yeah, and you know, um, we've watched Real American News, and, and for anybody who doesn't know about Real American News, you can go on realamericannews.com and, and get an app, and, and we watch it on our Apple TV, but you can also get it on your on your uh, Computer. laptop or whatever. Um they have just now become number one podcast. Really? Yeah. Real American News. That Raheem Kassam was oh, yeah. on with Steve Bannon. Yeah. He's the originator of Real American News. Yeah. And they just they've just taken the world by storm because people need alternatives. They do indeed. Of course, I'm considering our my show here alternative. You're so helpful on this. I'm clawing my way up the state the <laughs> the standings in terms well, of podcast I, popularity. I know, but I, isn't it cool that 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 sites like this are getting more and more play because people are just turning their um, nose up at, at mainstream media more and more. Absolutely. Again, Linda Harden, my dear wife, Linda, love her so much and so grateful for uh, everything you do for me and for the show. And I know I, I get comments all the time that pre- people appreciate having you on the show. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, honey. All right, and Merry Christmas to you. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. I uh, always appreciate your comments. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. In fact, uh, if you'd like to get on the distribution list for my email that I send out after every show, again, bobharden at hotmail.com. We have terrific guests for tomorrow's show, including Bob Levy. He is the uh, chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about the uh, constitutional process that uh, for uh, electing a president, because it's, there's a lot of question marks as a result of this election right now. So we get the true scoop from Bob. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa. He's a weekly guest on the show. I always enjoy Andy because he's so well-prepared and interesting in his points of view. And then we'll visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, and author of many books. His latest is How It All Happened, How Everything Happened, Including Us. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.